Welcome to On the Beat, the weekly podcast for LawOfficer.com. My name is Travis Yates. I'm the editor-in-chief of LawOfficer.com. Thank you for joining us today. And this would not be possible if it wasn't for our sponsor for today's show. We are sponsored by Blue Armor, the first supplement company designed for law enforcement by law enforcement. Blue Armor produces the highest quality of supplements on the planet, and they have proven that with their GMP certification. If the GMP symbol is not on your current supplements, then you need Blue Armor. Only the finest for America's heroes. Blue Armor, they are in the pursuit of fitness. And you can find out more at bluearmor.com. That's B-L-U-A-R-M-O-R.com. It is a fantastic product, and we are honored to partner with them today. And you are going to love today's show. We have an incredible guest. We love the fact that so many of our guests and our riders are actual street cops. I think that's unique to anyone else in the industry. And today is no different. We are joined today by Sanford Swanson. He began his career as a law enforcement professional in 2006 and currently serves as a patrol officer for his department where he is employed. Sanford's professional experience spans areas of patrol, investigations, training, and supervision. During his tenure, he's found passion in the areas of community policing and training. As a veteran law enforcement instructor of several disciplines, he places an emphasis on officer survival and control tactics and techniques. He travels across the country as an instructor, trainer, and he trains officers in stops and officer survival tactics. And we are proud to have him as a writer here at lawofficer.com. Sanford Swanson, how are you doing, sir? I'm great, Travis. How are you? Well, Sanford, obviously you've done a lot in the career in a short time frame, about a decade. And I just wanted to ask you, what got you interested in this great career? Uh, I am first-generation law enforcement. Um, I guess you could say I, I like a challenge. Uh, I just wanted something different from uh, what I was seeing around me. Um, early on, I, I knew that I would either be a teacher, a firefighter, uh, or a police officer. And around the age of 19, 20, it was pretty evident that uh, my life was being lined up for me to, uh, for this is my calling. Well, you didn't want to sleep all the time, so you picked law enforcement over firefighting, <laughs> so we were glad to have you. And you mentioned, Sanford, that you were a first-generation cop. What did your family think about you deciding to go into the business? Uh, the parents were super supportive. Uh, well, uh, oh, back off the super. The parents were supportive. <laughs> uh, mom, mom was worried about her baby. Uh, but we had a conversation, and uh, uh, she knows that I put safety above all else. Uh, so the reception was, was very well received, and uh, they're very proud of me to this day. Man, it's great to hear, and that's what we all need. I'm actually second-generation cop myself, and I still had to convince my mom that it was her baby was going to be okay. So uh, it doesn't matter whether you're first, second, third, or fourth. That's always the case, and you're right. Put safety on top of everything else, and put it in God's hands, and you'll be okay. And, Sanford, you're a, you're a street cop, and I like that fact. I mentioned that in the intro. We love our street cops here in Law Officer. I mean, so many others in the industry – you know, they're either PhDs and nothing against that, but we want to get the police officer's perspective on everything, and your articles really hit to the core of that. And you interact with the public every single day. In fact, as we speak, you've taken a break to be able to do this uh, with us. And I want to just ask you, since you're interacting with the public every single day, is what you see from the public the same that the media seems to be portraying? Oh, absolutely not. Um, you know, there, you do have your, your tensions and um, you have people who, who, who look as law enforcement as the perpetrators, but by and large, the people 
uh, in the communities around us support us. Um, you know, they're, they're waving as we drive by, shaking our hands, buying buying lunch, um, things like that. The little things like that make a huge difference. It it, it makes the work that you do uh, continue to feel relevant. Um, the media, um, their their job is to sell a story, so they're selling those stories. And but again, in the absence of facts, they will still sell a story. And I think that's a lot of what's going on. Uh, it seems like uh, division is the name of the game right now, um, just to get two sides, just create two sides in the first place and, and, and pit them against one another. So in short, no, uh, what we see in the media is not we see what we see out on the street, um, getting out and, and, and shaking hands and playing with kids. And, and they enjoy having our presence. They, they ask us to come around uh, as often as we can and disappointed when we don't come around as much as they're liking. Um, so no, uh, what we see in the media is, is not what we're seeing played out here on the streets. Well, it's interesting you said that. I just came off stage. I was speaking to about 50 cops here locally, and uh, I asked them the same question, and they said exactly what you said. In fact, a lot of them told me, Sanford, that they have had their lunch or dinner bought for them more in the last year than their entire careers. Have you been seeing a lot of that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I've had to I've had to hunt people down in a restaurant to try to figure out who paid for what. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm grateful each and every time. I, I never go anywhere expecting a discount. I never go anywhere expecting a, a gratuitous meal. Uh, but I am extremely appreciative of uh, the fact that that if if that's the support that they want to lend, uh, it just shows that they care and they want to they want to do sit stand shoulder to shoulder with us and and sit with us while we uh, while we do our job and it's greatly appreciated it does go a long ways i mean just a simple pat on the back or even a, a, a you know buying someone's meal or saying thank you we get that every day where we are as well it does go a long ways when all you hear from outside sources that are uninformed is negativity so we agree with you and sanford you mentioned community policing and playing with kids and they want more of that and i know you're an advocate for community policing you're an expert in that area Kind of tell us, there's been this, this slang community policing has been thrown around quite a bit, you know, here recently. And it's really not a new term. It's not a new concept. Tell us where you think police is lacking in the area of community policing. And then I want you to tell us how, where community is lacking, because it is a two, two-way street. And kind of give us your thoughts Absolutely. on that. Uh, you know, as far as law enforcement is concerned, uh, we, we kind of get tunnel visioned into uh, driving around looking for crime. Um, and sometimes we forget to roll down our windows. Sometimes we forget to stop and, and speak to our, uh, our, our community members and not to find out information, but just to say hello, just to uh, show that you're present. Uh, you know, even still, I'll, I'll stop in a neighborhood. And uh, just last week, I stopped in a neighborhood. Um, I just finished a, a, an overtime gig and I swung through one of the apartment complexes because the weather was nice and the kids were out and I stopped in to say hi. And, and one of the moms said, well, what, what's the problem? ma'am, there is no problem. Right. And she asked me three or four times, is everything okay? Everything's perfectly fine. You know, I'm here all the time. Uh, this is not unusual for me. I'm just here. Uh, these kids know who I am. Uh, and then so I stayed and engaged for 20 or 30 minutes, and, and then I went on my way. Uh, you know, things like that, uh, we're, we're missing that. You know, get out of your car. You know, get out and engage people. Um, it's not all, about, uh, not all about the arrest. It's not all about uh, the intel. Sometimes we just need to get out and show them that we are people. We are We are... I live in the community that I serve. So my kids go to school with your kids. Uh, we shop at the same grocery stores. So uh, I want to leave you with an impression that when you recognize me, it's not under a negative connotation. You know, you, uh, you know Officer, well, that's Officer Swanson. Uh, I know him because he, he came to my, my school. I know him because he, he came and, and played ball with us at the park. 
those are the that's how I want my name associated uh, in my neighborhood as opposed to um, you know being the guy who just locks everyone up. Well, that's fantastic. And as far as the community, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. I'm sorry. No, I was to say as far as the follow up question, as far as the community is concerned, um, we are approachable. You know, uh, come up and, and wave us, flag us down, and, and say hello. If you see us uh, leaving a restaurant, and if you want to engage us in a conversation, by all means, engage us in engage us in a conversation. Of course, there will be times if we're on the way to a call where we won't be able to extend that com extend that conversation. However, uh, approach us. You know, we are humans. We are people. We we love to engage with with the community that we serve, uh, and and that's how we foster those positive relationships because that's the only way to get to know each other is is through those communications. Chip Hughes, a great friend out of Kansas City, Missouri, says this. He says we've got to see people as people instead of just seeing criminals. And I think that goes a long ways both sides. Once our police officers see people as people, and then our community sees us as people, well, we're going to get a long ways when it, when it comes down to that. Because right now the way, way I see it, Swanson, is we get a lot of officers that see people as bad guys. We have a lot of community people that see cops as just cops. And we need to start seeing people as people again, and I think it's going to go a long ways. What do you think about that? I absolutely agree. Um, you know, we – I treat everyone that I meet with respect, and sometimes I have to dial them back because they immediately go on the defensive, and I remind them that uh, I'm I'm here as a person. I, my, I put my pants on one leg at a time just like anyone else. Uh, so first and foremost, I'm a man. Uh, so we back that off, and, and so I like to extend grace where I can. Uh, and and I, I, I tell people, you know, when, when you give me something to work with, I can work with that. But um, when you jump on the defensive and uh, you demonize me, you know, I, I could try to talk you off the ledge, but if I can't, then, you know, I still have a job to do. Uh, but but by and large, you know, I, I, I cut as many breaks as I can. I, I do what I can uh, as long as it's safe and, it, and it's right. Uh, and I treat every circumstance, every situation is a new situation. There's no carryover. Uh, I don't, I don't, uh, the, the last call, uh, I try very hard not to, lot of effect, lot, not to affect my last call or my next call, excuse me. But the public also could be sensitive to the fact that you have no idea what I just came from. I could have just come from a, a rape or, or a child abuse. Uh, and when you go on a tirade when I walk up to your car on a traffic stop, um, I could still be in, in a place um, for my last call. So just be sensitive to the fact that there are a bunch of unknowns uh, in this profession, and just like there are a bunch of unknowns when we're dealing with, uh, with people. So I think that point is spot on. If we start treating people like people, uh, we'll, we'll gain the traction that we need to get back on track. Sounds like a great article to me, Swanson. Now, you've got, you've got your own training company. Very impressive work you're doing. Tell us a little bit about your training company. Okay, so my training company, uh, Survival Training Solutions, uh, I formed it formally on paper in 2012. Uh, I saw a need for uh, quality and relevant training in the realm of law enforcement. Um, too often we were, I saw that we were checking boxes just making sure everyone had their mandated hours, uh, but the quality was lacking. Every time we come back to a new session, it's like we had to start over. Uh, it was it was ground zero every time. Um, survival Training Solutions has an emphasis on officer safety and officer survival. Um, I am one of very few stops instructor trainers uh, in the United States where we go around uh, nationwide uh, and we teach officer survival tactics as it pertains uh, specifically to traffic stops or vehicle-related activity. Um, 
the stops of vehicle stop is defined as any time an officer deploys from a vehicle. So as you can imagine, um, that that pretty much covers the entire gamut of law enforcement as far as patrol is concerned. Um, at the end of the day, we want to get officers home safe. Um, this system has been uh, in evolution for uh, 20, 30 years. Uh, it has been on the streets uh, for you know not much long, uh, not fewer than that. And uh, this this is training that I employ at work every day. I believe in it. I'm, I only train in it because my, my it's my passion and my heart is in it. Um, if you look at Indiana's numbers, for example, because in Indiana, stops is mandated uh, for every officer for the last 15, 20 years. Uh, if you look at the, the officer, if you go to the Officer Down Memorial page and you look at Indiana's uh, statistics, you'll notice that the traffic-related fatalities are way down compared to most other areas in the country. And that is a direct attribute to the STOPS program. Well, I couldn't agree with you more, Sanford. Uh, between STOPS and just the more emphasis that publications like LawOfficer.com has been placing on it, we've really made an impact on that. And I, we have you a lot to think for that. I'm looking at your website now, and you are, have a wide variety of expertise and skills. Not only you are, like you said, one of the few STOPS instructors, and I'm very familiar with STOPS, very highly recognized program. Uh, but you've done your close quarter combat certified, your taser instructor certified, OC instructor, SFST instructor, CPR, and most importantly, contributing author for LawOfficer.com. So everybody's to check out your website, survivaltrainingsolutions.com, and see what you have to bring to the table. And we've got some officers out there that they think all oh, this is great, Sanford, but unfortunately they work in an environment or they work for leadership or they work for an agency that is not providing them adequate training. What would you tell that officer listening to us right now that they're out there working the streets or not getting the right training? What would you tell them to do? As simple as it sounds, my recommendation is go get it. Yep. Um, we, we live in a society, live in a world where uh, things aren't going to just come to you. You have to go to those things. Uh, there are options around you. Uh, whether you, whether you, I, I, I favor Krav Maga. I, I love Krav. Uh, it's a dynamic and, uh, and applicable uh, martial arts. But if you're into jiu-jitsu or you're into a keto or whatever you're into, go seek it out. If your department isn't going to send you to it, um, you're the one who suffers from it. So go out and get the training that you need. Um, and if, if, you, if your financing is an issue, uh, talk to the person putting on the training and let them know, hey, I really want to be here, but my finances uh, may prevent that. If someone like me, if someone came to me in earnest and said that, you know, hey, I, I only make 35 grand. I still got to maintain a home, uh, but I really want to come to your training. Uh, I'm going to find a way to work with you. I'm going to find a way to get you the training that you want and that you need because at the end of the day, my goal isn't to have as many zeros as I can in my bank account. My goal is to get officers home. When I get phone calls and say, hey, uh, thank you for your training. Uh, it saved my life last night. That That is the value in training for me. That is, that that that's the pay dirt right there. Um, so, if there's ever a time, if you ever want training and you can't seek it out, uh, excuse me, and you can't afford it or the department won't, won't fund it for you, seek it out, ask questions. Uh, my grandmother always said a closed mouth doesn't get fed. So if you don't ask, you don't know. And that, sir, is why you're with LawOfficer.com, because we believe the exact same thing. And speaking of law officer, your articles are some of the most popular we have because you are diving into what street cops want and need, which is directly to the heart of officer safety. 
And I assume your agency is supportive of this. Not everybody's agency is, but kind of tell us about how, how you can kind of step out there on a platform and speak your mind like you are today and that you still have that support from those around you. Yeah, so, um, you know, I'm with my second agency uh, in, in my 11 years. Um, but in the interview process, I was was very open about the fact that I had my company and it was important to me uh, and the work that I do is important to me. Um, they were very receptive and continue to be receptive uh, largely because they agree with the philosophies that I teach. Uh, they are on board. The things that we're I'm talking about, I'm writing about, are things that we're already uh, employing within my agency. So I'm not reinventing the wheel where I work. Uh, I'm just reinforcing it uh, where I work. And uh, so it, it almost comes naturally because we have a great group of guys that we work with and our instructors uh, I would challenge to be some of the best in the nation. Um, but the department was always been supportive of, of what I'm doing um, because quality training anymore seems to be hard to come by. And if, if one of their officers is, is instrumental in providing quality instru training instruction to other police officers, uh, you know, what's not to be proud about that? That's good stuff. And your first article you wrote with us, uh, Sanford really uh, kind of hit the nail on everything we've been talking about. You you titled the article "Fear of the Unknown," and you talk about in the article that there's a healthy amount of fear that's associated with this career field. Kind of tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, so um, you know, a lot of people think that being a police officer means that you 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 have no fear, and and that couldn't be the furthest thing from the truth. Uh, I don't want to die, so. When I'm at work, I poise myself to where I can be as safe as I can so that that does not become a reality, not just for me, but for my wife and my children and my family in general. Uh, so a healthy amount of fear keeps you honest. A healthy amount of fear keeps you poised to see things that otherwise you may not. Um, you know, we we get so caught up in, in, in being the alpha dog, but sometimes we have to just sit back and say, you know what? Uh, I don't feel safe right now. I, I don't, I don't like the way I feel right here. That sixth sense that we talk about uh, is very real. And the, the sooner we recognize our sixth sense and listen to it, uh, we can rearrange our tactics, find out what's causing that, that, that tingle. Uh, and we can readjust our tactics accordingly. Uh, so having that fear doesn't mean that you're crippled. It doesn't mean that you're less of an officer. It doesn't mean that you're less of a man or a woman. Uh, it just means that you respect this profession. You respect the dangers that are associated with this job. And you, you poise yourself to come at those fears um, in earnest and, and appreciate them. That's good stuff. And you talk about in that article, Sanford, that the goal for us should be to reduce our reaction time when we deal with things right. kind of, and I couldn't agree more with you, but kind of tell us in a training environment, how you try to do that for our, our officers. Yeah. So that, that statement was um, referring to the OODA loop. And for those who aren't familiar with the OODA loop, uh, OODA is um, O-O-D-A, observe, orient, decide, and act. So, and we all have it. Civilians, officers, um, it just so happens that, you know, your officers and your military personnel, uh, usually have a better grip on it because they're familiar with how the process works. So I see something and I orient myself to it. You know, I, I see it and I go, is that is that really what I'm looking at right now? And then I have to make a decision how I'm going to respond to that. 
And then once I've once I made that decision, I have to actually act on it. So then I move forward on that. Um, so the sooner we can get from observe to act, the better we we are. And how you do that is through training. How you do that is through experience. And one of the uh, misnomers about experience that experience can only be things that you that you that you've been through. And that can be the furthest thing from the truth. We live in a highly technological society. So YouTube is experience. Uh, I, I don't have to be in a fight to know that if I get hit in the face hard enough, I can go unconscious and or lose life. I don't have to, I don't have to, uh, if I watch you touch a stove and see that it's hot, I don't have to go touch it to know that that stove is hot. So using experiences, your own and others, uh, to your advantage helps you form a, form a, a plan sooner. And, you know, you have training, experiences in history what have i've seen this before i've been in this situation before and so then you can formulate a plan and you can arrange your taxes accordingly to thwart whatever it is you're in in that moment and that's how you reduce that reaction time but in our environment uh training and experiences are the two training experiences are the two top tier things that are going to help you reduce that reaction time you also mentioned that officers should not be expected or required to display tombstone courage. And this is important in today's time because I feel that there's a uh, there's an expectation from the community that's unrealistic, that we're somehow expected to be Superman or Spider-Man when we deal with the criminals. And at the end of the day, we're just right, people. Right. And that's why I right. think that statement is really important, that we should not be expected to have tombstone courage. Kind of explain that terminology for us, Sanford. Yeah, you kind of hit on it a little bit, you know. Um, you know, with my son and I, I'm Iron Man, he's Hulk. Uh, but in reality, when I come here, I am I am Sanford. I am I am a man who dons a uniform and took an oath to protect people. Uh, but that doesn't mean that uh, no matter what happens, I I have to stand here firm and I and I can't I can't waver. I, I can't show um, I can't show any tremble. I can't show that my adrenaline is up and, and, and I'm in a, in a hyper state. Uh, we are people, as we alluded to earlier in this, in this podcast, and we, we are afforded the right to, uh, to be wayward. We are, we are afforded the right to, to want to retreat. Sometimes a, a retreat is what we need. Uh, we aren't, this, isn't, this isn't the Wild West. We aren't cowboys. We aren't, we aren't, we aren't not in a standoff, a six-gun um, six standoff. We are people in, in, in times where people are absolutely unpredictable. There is no such thing as a fair fight. So for us to stand um, and stand firm and, and refuse to be moved uh, is very dangerous. It's, it's an overconfidence is very dangerous, dangerous in this profession. We need to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Uh, we need to know uh, what is the best reaction from, from me in this moment here right now uh, and once we get to that point to where we we don't feel like we have to have all the answers well we we have to have the final say so uh, at least in some context uh, the better off we'll be we need to know when to hold them and know when to fold them is it okay for me to say i have a total man crush on you right now because that's a, that's an awesome title of whatever you want to write right i mean i love i love that terminology sanford because it's exactly right we have to know that. And there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance. Confidence can Absolutely. save our lives and arrogance can kill us. 
And we've got to know Absolutely. that line. And I can't agree with you more. Now, you, you followed up that article with an article called The Slow Churn of Officer Safety. And this was a phenomenal terminology, the slow churn. I want you to kind of explain to our audience what that means. And if they want to read any of these articles, they literally can go to lawofficer.com. They can go They can go to the author page and pull your articles up. Or eat more easily, just go to the search engine and type in the title of these articles, and they'll come right up. Uh, but uh, I love this terminology, slow churn. So kind of explain to our audience what that means. Yeah, so for most of us, um, case law has been around longer than, A, we've been alive or we've been officers. So it was well established before we even got into the profession. Um, and there was a time where an officer could just simply say, I feared for my life. Um, and that statement alone would bear enough weight that um, their actions would be deemed justified. Those days are gone, or at least they're on their way out the door. We're slowly churning out um, that that phrase to be all powerful um, not to say that an officer can't fear for their life because as i stated in the article uh, they can and should when it's reasonable um, however we need to be able to articulate what placed us in fear we can't just have a blanket statement that says oh i fear for my life so i did what i did well okay so what predicated that fear what brought you to that point of fear and it's okay to identify we should be identifying what, what brought us to that fear so that, um, you know, our, our administrators, our lawyers, um, and even, you know, as much as some hate to admit it, the general public have an understanding of where we are in that moment in time and, and paint a picture, you know, give them, give them a, a clear, identifiable picture into where we were in that exact moment and how we came to be uh, fearful of our life in that moment. Again, I, I want to reiterate, that I'm not saying that we shouldn't fear for our lives or, or we don't want to, I'm not asking anyone to have tombstone courage. I'm just simply saying the case law is slowly turning to where simply saying I fear for my life is no longer enough. Uh, I've heard it in training all the time. You know, well, if you fear for your life, okay, great. But why did you fear for your life? Let's, let's lay it all out. Um, that way there's no question as to why you did what you did. And if it's, re if it's a reasonable response to the fear that you perceive, whether it be real, the threat is real or perceived, if the, if the response was reasonable to that threat based on the information you have at that time and at that time only, then yes, yes, you fear for your life. And you can articulate why you fear for your life. And to be able to, be able to put that pen to paper is very powerful. It's a mandatory article for any cop called The Slow Turn of Officer Safety. So go get it, type it into Google, find it. And uh, I think you're going to be really impressed, and you can tell by what Sanford's saying. It's pretty good stuff. And you kind of in that article, uh, sir, was talking about how social media has sort of changed the game for law enforcement. Oh so keeping oh that goodness. in mind, how should we in law enforcement move forward with dealing with social media? Uh, first and foremost, keep it professional. Uh, you know, let's be real. It's the Internet. It's not safe. It's not secure. It's not private. So with that being said, um, your thoughts aren't always just your thoughts. The, the famous screenshot has made it to where officers uh, don't have the, the luxury of, of, saying, of saying things that are completely off the cuff. It's, it's my personal opinion that if, you know, if these things are so far off the cuff, um, you know, sometimes we, we ought to question you know, your position. You hold a, you hold a public position, uh, and, and there is an amount of responsibility that comes with it. Uh, we are still people, yes. But we're not, 
we're not held to the same standards that others are as we're, as we're seeing, you know, day in and day out. Um, social media can make or break you. So why don't we focus on letting it make us, you know, use that as your platform to, to get, give out quality information, uh, use that as a platform to uh, say things that are about the right. Um, you know, if we want to have an opinion in a conversation, that's one thing, but you know, to, to get up, cause when you, you put it on social media, you basically represent not only yourself, your agency, the city or county that you work for, and there's a lot of ramification that comes from that. You are, you are a, a representative of your area. Um, so the things that we're doing need to be carefully communicated. But with social media, um, it, you know, like YouTube, it, it's it's fan on fire. You know, it it can it can go viral, but is it going viral for the right reason? You know, do you, what story do you want told? Um, and if you if you add fuel to a fire, the the media and social media at large um, will pour gasoline on that fire. So it absolutely has changed the dynamic. Um, this this access of information uh, is it can be incredible at one right and absolutely hindering at another. You know, you have investigations that are absolutely being hindered by social media, either by the leak or misuse of information or um, the release of untrue information that, because once you saw it on the internet, it's true. And, and everyone takes that to heart and it, it's really hampering a lot of investigation. So uh, social media, can and should be used. I think every police department should have a social media page. However, it needs to be used responsibly. It's, it's not a, a, a personal armchair platform. Um, it needs to be used with profession and standards in place. Um, it can be a great tool to bridge the gap between the community and the police department. Give a bird's eye view into the police department. Uh, I think my agency does a really good job of, of, of showing the, uh, the human element and the history. You know, our administrator, uh, our Facebook administrator, you know, we'll take you back to the 1950s for our, our department and show pictures of, of cars, uniforms, officers, and things of that nature. It can, when done right, it can be a great asset, a great tool. Um, but every officer, in my opinion, any officer who has a, a social media platform uh, ought to keep in mind that even what they say on their personal page represents them and, and the department. And we have to be careful of uh, the platform that we or the impressions that we're leaving on people. Sanford Swanson, you said, what story do we want to be told? And I think you're off to a great start, sir, of telling your story and making a difference in this great career. We can't thank you enough for being here. Uh, your great training company, survivaltrainingsolutions.com. Everybody needs to go check it out. Uh, it's incredible stuff. You're writing incredible stuff. You, sir, are the future. We can't thank you enough for being involved with us. And anything we can do for you, please let us know. I greatly appreciate it, sir. You have a great night. You've been listening to On the Beat, the weekly podcast for Lawster.com. My name is Travis Yates, the editor-in-chief of Lawster.com, and you've been listening to Sanford Swanson, uh, our writer and author here at Law Officer. Thank you for being here, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to On The Beat. 
Join us daily at lawofficer.com for the latest in news and original content. For law enforcement, by law enforcement.